0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net.
1: Father, we thank you so much for your holy written word. We study it in the precious name of Jesus. We invite your spirit to be our teacher tonight, to guide us and to everything willed by you. To give us a revelation and understanding of those things that you so, dear Father God, desire to implant within the hearts and lives of each and every one of us, your children. We believe to be changed tonight from glory to glory by what we hear. That we might, dear Father God, conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his precious and holy blood that we might succeed in carrying out the purpose of your will for all of our lives and be a shining light in the world of darkness and hold forth the word of life to this generation that you've called us to. And for all things, Father, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory that you deserve in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. We've been talking about spiritual thirst and couldn't have a better example of it than we just had here tonight. We're talking about how it's those that hunger and thirst for righteousness that will be filled. And that God doesn't pour out his spirit where the ground or the life is saturated with things like religious tradition, traditions of men. It's the insatiable desires of the flesh, etc. He wants hearts to be hungry, like in a parched and thirsty land where there is no water. He wants us to thirst to hunger. For the things of God to cry out for them. From the very core of our being. Father we want you. Among us manifested. Your presence. Your power. Your peace. Your glory. Amen. Amen. That's what our hearts should desire. Every single one of us. So that when we gather together. In his precious name. Our focus and attention all fall on him. We want his presence. In the book of Psalm 63, the 63rd Psalm, here we have David speaking, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longs for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see your power and your glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee while I live, and I will lift up my hands in thy name not a wonderful thing to do just to be able to lift up our hands and just say, Father, I depend on you. I'm completely dependent on you. Amen. David wrote that, of course, when he was uh, in the wilderness of Judah. And either one of two, either he was trying to run away and get away from Saul, who was constantly trying to take his life, or Absalom. Some, some say one, some say the other. But the point is he's away from and absent from the sanctuary. So that's where he saw the presence, the power and the glory of God on display and manifestation. And he became very much accustomed to it. Well, because he was away from it, he longed for it. He hungered. He thirsted for it. Remember Psalm 42 verse 1 that says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after thee. And it's a picture that he's painting us of a deer that's running away from its hunter that's Being chased by probably dogs or whatever. And it's spent, completely spent. And so far spent that it can only find refuge at a water brook. Panting for water. In some cases just diving in and only its nose being above water. Just wanting it so badly to absorb it, to drink it. And that's what he's saying. Is that we need to be the same way. We need to be so thirsty for God that nothing else will satisfy You know, in Jeremiah 2.13, we talked about that on Sunday. My people, he said, they've committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And number two, they built for themselves cisterns that can't hold water. And so, in other words, he's saying this. I'm the fountain of living water, and you find satisfaction and fulfillment in me and nothing else. Because everything else won't satisfy. And when you're trying to fulfill those desires to be satisfied with these things that are insatiable desires of the flesh, you'll never be satisfied because it's, an, it's a cracked cistern, it just can't hold water that's why those things are just insatiable, you can never have enough, never have enough, never have enough you want more, you want more and you want more it just keeps on going out and keeps on flowing out and keeps on flowing out and you need more but you know what, when you come and you drink from the fountains of living water hallelujah, he satisfies you can have that well of water springing up to everlasting life. And then the rivers of living water flowing out from you when filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Amen. Amen. In the book of Second uh, Chronicles chapter 5, David was comparing his thirst to that of being in the desert when there's no water and how thirsty you could become. But he longed for the power and the glory of God to be seen. It's what he wanted to see. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 5. This is an idea of what he was longing for. It came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. sanctified. In other words, set apart for a specific purpose. How many of you know that you're a priest tonight? And you've been sanctified, set apart for a purpose tonight. To come together here in this place. And did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which are the singers, all of them of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun. With their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen. Everybody say white linen. They were sanctified, now they're purified. These, the praise team. This is the praise team. They're what? They're purified. Having right motives, heart desires, and attitudes. Having cymbals and sovereigns and harps stood at the east end of the altar. And with them, 120 priests sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were divided, Okay. No, they were as one. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then, when? When they were sanctified, when they were purified, when they were unified, that then even the house was... The house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. Imagine this. So that the priest could not stand to minister for by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. I don't know about you, but I like the house to be filled with glory. Amen. What about you? The glory. That's our purpose. That's why we come together, to create a habitation for God, so that his presence, his power can be manifested among us in a powerful impacting way as far as all of our lives are concerned but to have it we've got a thirst for it to have it we've got a hunger for it in other words we've got to want it badly now 2nd chronicles chapter 7 we see a similar situation that david could have been referring to now remember david was never in the temple this was talking about the sanctuary the tabernacle this was not built until david departed this realm of life you know that So he's not talking about the temple that was built. This is the sanctuary of the tabernacle is where he saw his power, his glory. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven. Notice fire came down and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You notice that the presence of God had an impact upon the people? Can you imagine coming in the church and trying to get into this door of the sanctuary and you just can't get in? Doors are wide open, but you can't get in. You try to walk in, but you hit the glory and you back out. Try to walk to the other, other door and you hit the same thing. The glory is right there. I've had many people say many times, when we've been worshiping like this here, that the moment they walked to the door, the boom, they got hit with the power of God. The glory of God just was there in manifestation. And they sensed it. Probably tonight when some walked in, you can just sense the presence of God in a profound and wonderful way. Well, David was used to that. Here's the pattern, though, so we can follow it. Notice, first of all, their sacrifice. Where there is no sacrifice, there won't be any fire. Sacrifice means you surrender something for something better. You give something, maybe that's valuable to you, but for something better. You've given of your time, effort, and energy to be here tonight just to come together with other people. And you have a reason for doing that. You want God's presence in your life. You want God's power in your life. You want to see him in a profound and, and wonderful way. Experience him in a glorious and powerful way. That's what David longed for. So there were sacrifices. Then the fire came down. And fire, what does fire do? It purifies. It energizes. Power is a, fire is an extremely for, powerful force. It refines It causes people to to act. It energizes people to get moving and doing certain things. It transforms. I'm telling you, when the fire of God is in manifestation, it can do things that thousands of words cannot. On the day of Pentecost, when the fire fell, see, the sacrifice was already made, Jesus And then when he went to heaven, he sent the fire, the Holy Ghost. You'd be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And what? Fire. And fire fell upon them. It ignited within them something that could not be quenched. Fear couldn't stop them from moving forward. Persecution couldn't stop them from going forward. They boldly went out and proclaimed Jesus to a lost and dying world. Not even concerned about their lives. Because why? They were emboldened by the Spirit. You see, it empowers people. And so the... Fire fell and then the glory. The glory filled the house. We want the glory. But there has to be sacrifice and fire that purges, that purifies, that ignites, that activates within us. Those things, praise God, that will help us be influential. It'll spread to other people. We used to have a saying before when the youth group, they were called back there, consumed and Hebrews 12, 29, I believe was the verse. Are you consumed? Are you on fire? Have your bones been set ablaze? Are you on fire for God? Do you remember talking like that with people? And sometimes you can see people that they've lost that, that fire. You know, it was the priest's responsibility to keep this divine supernatural flame burning. And let me just state that just for a moment as well. This is not a flick your bick fire no way Mm -mm. this is a supernatural fire that comes from heaven so can you imagine when they were there in the sanctuary in the tabernacle can you imagine when the sacrifices were all offered you see it out there in that picture in an arctic area of our church where the fire fell to consume the sacrifice can you imagine seeing that happen before your eyes time and time again So there comes that fire from heaven. It's a heavenly flame, not a natural flame. It's a holy fire, not a natural fire. It was the duty of the the, the Levites, the priests, to do what? To keep the fire burning constantly. Never let it go out. 24-7 to keep it burning. It was supernatural. Now they can add to it, but it was ignited supernaturally. Beloved, on the day of Pentecost, 120 individuals were set on fire. And I'm telling you, they began to to spread the gospel in a powerful way everywhere they went. And as they went, the hand of the Lord was upon them in a powerful and glorious way. And they ministered life everywhere they went. To people that they came into contact with. And guess what? That flame has not gone out. I know it had to be revived in the early 1900s. The Azusa Street Revival. When the fire fell in such a way. So as to impact people's lives once again. A lot of it was maybe lost. But I'll tell you what. They fanned the flame once again. And set ablaze different revivals throughout the nation. Throughout the world. That impacted the world with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so. The glory fell. It filled the whole house. And what does glory do? It changes us. We're changed from glory to glory. Glory empowers us. Emboldens us. To proclaim the gospel in the workplace. Or wherever we go. See the glory of the Lord. Also heals us. It's on the inside of us. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Quickens our bodies. Delivers us. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage and that's why it's important to join together with other believers and come together and experience even a greater measure of the presence and power of God the anointing of God can increase if one can chase a thousand two can put ten thousand to flight and when that power of God is in manifestation because of the collective body coming together there is a greater working of his power now Something that really struck me when I studied this out, it just was amazing to me when I realized that God never told David and neither did he tell Solomon to build him a permanent temple. Did you know that? Look at Acts chapter 7. David was not told to build a temple. Solomon was not told to build a temple. Oh, it happened, but I'm going to show you why tonight. This is Stephen as he's being stoned to death. And here's what he says. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. This is the New Living Translation. It was constructed according to the plan God showed Moses. Years later when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that God drove out of this land. The tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory. And it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for God, the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by man's hand, by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? didn't my hands make both heaven and earth look at this you stubborn people how about that you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth must you forever resist the Holy Spirit that's what your ancestor did and so do you he's calling them stubborn because just like them they went and built him a temple that he didn't want and I'll show it to you look at 1st Chronicles chapter 7 chapter 17 first six verses new living translation when David was settled in the palace he summoned Nathan the prophet look David said I am living in a beautiful cedar palace but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent Nathan replied to David do whatever you have in mind for God is with you but that same night God said to Nathan go and tell my servant David this is what the Lord has declared you are not the one to build a house for me to live in I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the children or the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. My home has always been in a tent, moving from one place to another in a tabernacle. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's leaders, the shepherds of my people. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Look at, go on down to verses 11 and 12. For when you die and join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for me, and I will secure his throne. How long? Forever. Well, did Solomon's temple last forever? How long did his temple, did his temple last? Somewhere between three hundred and seventy and four hundred years. That's not forever. He wasn't speaking of Solomon. He was speaking of someone else that was going to build him a temple. Okay, to dwell in. And Isaiah chapter nine will tell us, and so will Luke. And Isaiah nine. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Okay, look at Luke. Luke's Gospel. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, Shall shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto him, unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So really, God was saying to David, thank you, but no thank you. I don't live in a permanent dwelling place for a reason. I travel in a tent from place to place, a portable tabernacle for a reason. You can't build me a permanent place, a residence. You just can't do it. So I'm saying, no, don't do it. But just like they wanted a king and God, of course, conceded and they got a king. They did the same thing with the temple and they got their temple. But it wasn't Solomon who only partially fulfilled the things that God said. He was talking about Jesus. Jesus actually said. Destroy this temple. And in three days. I will rebuild it. And they said what? You know how long it took to build that temple. And you're telling me you can rebuild it in three days? Absolutely. And on the third day. When he arose from the dead. Glory to God. He established a new temple for the dwelling place of his father, the living God. And it's not in an earth-made dwelling place. It's not an earth-made holy of holies. It's not an earth-made structure made by the hands of man. It is the very heart of the people of God. You are the temple of a living God. That's why he was saying, I'm going to be a portable I'm going to be a living in each and every one of you that accept the sacrifice of the blood of the Lamb. Look in the scriptures. Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Look at verse 19. This is the New Living Translation. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all the of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his what? His what? His house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit it's not about the structure it's not about the building it's not about the brick it's not about the mortar doesn't matter how elaborate the building might be he said not one stone will be left on top of another what matters is you and I have become the temple of the living God look at first Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You've been brought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The blood of Jesus, praise God, purchased our redemption, and he made us kings and priests. He made us the temple of the living God. Look at the 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 18. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple, the house, the dwelling place of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell where? In them and walk where? In them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore? Come out from among them say and be separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see what he had in mind? I don't want to be in a dwelling place that's a permanent dwelling place. And guess what? This is at the end of it, but I'll get ahead of myself. In the book of Revelation 21, 22, you know what it says? In the new city, the new heavenly Jerusalem, there is no temple. There is no temple. For God, the Father and Son, they are the temple. So there's no need for a temple. Praise God. You are the temple. I am the temple of the most high God as God said I will live in you I will dwell in you I will be your God and you will be my offspring my children oh praise God he can't get better than that today the house of God is a spiritual house look at first Peter chapter 2 and as a spiritual house of God every group of people that gather together constitute And make up the house of God or the temple of God individually and collectively as well. As we gather together, we are the temple of the living God. Not the building, but you, the person. Individually and collectively, we are the temple. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Guess what? There's no priesthood today. Anyone acting as a, as a priest in a priesthood is really not reading the scriptures. There are no priests other than every single one of us who is a priest. He made us priests. He made us saints. We're all saints. We're all priests. And through the med- mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now, would you want to be a Levitical priesthood? Slaughtering animals and offering them on the sacrifice? Altar of sacrifice, I wouldn't want to do that, would you? We shun away from that. Well, we don't offer those kinds of sacrifices. We offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as priests, and we're all priests, we have a duty to perform just like they did back then. In the temple, you are the temple, and we are the temple. And so what's our duty? To offer spiritual sacrifices. Well, what are they? Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. What are they? By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. To God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. You and I are to offer to God. Thanksgiving and praise as a sacrifice. Continually to keep the fire burning. To keep the presence of God in manifestation. You see why the enemy wants to get us to a place that we're down and despondent and full of despair and fear and anxiety and worry and the list goes on and on, unfulfilled, unsatisfied in life and all that? Because he knows if he can still our joy, he can still everything that God wants to do in our lives. But you and I are called upon by God to continually keep the fires burning. With what? Offering sacrifices of praise. Why? Because the sacrifice was sacrificed. Jesus died upon the cross. He arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And that means all the work has been done. There's no longer any need for Thousands of animal sacrifices. You go back to the time of Solomon and, and, and when his temple was uh, dedicated in Second Chronicles 7 verse 4, I believe it is. You realize that Solomon offered like 22,000 oxen. Can you calculate that? Where would you put all those? And how many sheep? A hundred and some thousand? Over like 120,000 sheep. Can you imagine just to appease God? You're offering all these sacrificial animals. And can you imagine the blood that was shed? Well, guess what? Our carpet isn't stained. We don't need to bring an animal to sacrifice it to, to appease God. Oh, the last lamb has been slain. His name is Jesus. And his sacrifice forever perfects you and perfects me. And all we have to do is just... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I am saved. I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. That is our sacrifice. And then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, another spiritual sacrifice. Look at what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or as one translation says, your spiritual duty. In other words, Lord, I'm just going to sacrifice myself today. I want my eyes to see what you want them to see. I want my ears to hear what you want them to hear. I want my hands to do what you want them to do. I want my feet to walk where you want them to walk. Praise God. I'm giving you myself, my thoughts, my mind, my body. I'm completely sold out to you today. Use me as you would. I sacrifice the sacrifice of my life to honor you today as I live. Oh, praise God. You know what he does? He inhabits that. Look at the book of Matthew chapter um, 21. Here, so important. Sometimes we don't catch these things and, and we let them slip by. But in the beginning of his ministry, you know, he cleansed the temple. Remember he went in and cleansed the temple? He sure did. The money changers and all that, he drove them out. Now here in Matthew 21, at the end of his ministry, he cleans house again. He really makes a statement. And here's what happens. Jesus went to the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers, and seats of them that sold doves. Said to them, it is written, my house, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came into him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple... And saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were so excited, happy, and rejoicing. So displeased. And said to him, Hearest thou not what these say? And Jesus said to them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And what we have in these verses of scripture is a clear understanding of what the temple of God is to be about. The house of God is to be about. It is a house of purity. He cleansed the temple of anything and everything that would defile or dishonor God. We are the temple. The Bible says to cleanse yourself of all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God, second Corinthians 7 1. So since we're the temple and he's living in us, he said, clean house. Praise God. Let the fire purge us. Let the fire cleanse us. Amen. Get That's why we want to come to church So we can get together among other people. And let the fire fall. And challenge every one of us. And cleanse us. And purify our hearts. Secondly. It's a house of purity. Then prayer. Prayer. Praise God, we gather together and praise is a form of prayer. We've gathered together in Jesus' name. pray for the sick, pray for the lost, pray for marriages, pray for whatever. We're here to pray, praise God. We're here not to peer at other people and see what's going on with them. But we're here to pray and seek the face of the living God for us, for the community, for our families, etc., etc. We're here to be pure, to be prayerful, and then power. He brought that, and notice after there was purity, there's prayer, now power, power. He, they brought in, they came in that were blind, those were deaf and dumb, etc., and he healed them. He healed them. Power. Oh, there was a display of awesome power there among the people. So much so it disturbed the religious folk, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. How sad, wouldn't you say? Can you imagine the joy upon the faces of those that were delivered and set free finally by the power of God? You know what? It's easy to become complacent in church and just to think, well, I'm just going there to do my duty, do my service and sit down and get a few things and just get out. But you know what? When it really works and when people come together and they're set apart, I'm there for a purpose. I'm there to promote the greater manifestation of the power of Almighty God. I'm there, praise God, with this understanding i'm going to connect with the living god in a powerful and glorious way david said i thirst for this i don't want to go there and just say we did this we did that and whatever had a little religious you know ceremony that we went through rituals and all that i want to do like we did here tonight that we come together even before the service begins and we minister to the lord in such a way that we create a habitation and that he begins to manifest his presence and his glory here among us And then he just begins to take over the whole service. What about you? Presence, power, uh, purity, power, okay? Prayer and power. And then finally, perfected praise. Have you not heard out of the mouth of babes he has perfected praise? Did you notice that when those people saw the glory, that they bowed themselves to the earth and they praised the Lord? It didn't say, and when the people uh, heard Tammy saying It's time to worship with us today. It's time to get excited about Jesus. They didn't hear that. No, they saw the glory. Tammy didn't have to say anything tonight. Everybody just got into it. And didn't it get on you? Didn't it spread on you? Was it electrifying? Igniting? Didn't you embrace it and loved it? And that's how... God saves the lost and heals the sick and sets the captives free and brings deliverance into people's lives. It's a house of purity. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of power. It's a house of perfected praise. And when the power and presence of God are in great display and manifestation, I'm telling you, you don't have to tell people to do anything. They'll bow before the presence of God. They will worship and honor the Lord their God. Hallelujah. Okay. So our purpose then of gathering is to create what? A habitation for God within our midst. You see the church. The individual and the collective body. Is what he gave his life for. So that he could now continue to live. And reign. In the hearts and lives of individuals. And travel with them everywhere. You go. Everywhere they go. You know what that means. You're God's mobile home unit. You no longer have to go to Jerusalem. You don't. And you know what? Like I said, people are so excited. Look at, put up Revelation 21, 22. Nothing wrong with it. But this is the new city, the heavenly Jerusalem. I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Can you say amen? God was never into buildings. He was into building lives, in establishing his presence in the hearts and minds and lives of people that would be drawn to him by his spirit because of the sacrifice of his son. So if we want to reach people, just get yourself so full of God that it begins to pour out of you, oozes out of you the very glory. I remember, and I'll close with this. I believe it was Wigglesworth. It was either a plane or a train. He did both. I'm sure it happened in both. But Brothers Wigglesworth was on uh, walking on a plane, I think it was. And as he entered in, some woman came to him, got on her knees and bowed before him and just said, the presence of God in you convicts me of my sin. Would you pray for me to get saved? What a manifestation of the presence of God. Can you imagine... Being so full of God that wherever you travel, that presence is manifesting through you. Are we thirsty? Are we thirsty? I believe we've we've begun this already. That as a church body, we are thirsty for the real power of God to be in manifestation. Can you say amen? For the glory to fill the temple. Hallelujah. As the angels cry holy let's all stand together before the lord
0: hi pastor bill here i want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife krista and Krista Selby church i want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school if you're a teenager or a young adult we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in god and build a solid foundation of his love for you And with that foundation we encourage you to take the gospel of jesus christ with you wherever you go Is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others.